0: Welcome listeners to Five Questions, a critical master for the visual arts podcast in which we ask five questions of our interviewees aimed at positioning and contextualizing their bodies of work within the St. Louis art world. This time we're talking with Mijay. Mijay is a multidisciplinary Indian artist concerned with the lived experience. Through large scale installations, durational live video or photo performances, illustrations, and collage works, she digs into her challenges and aspirations as an immigrant. With research degrees in history and field archaeology at Jawaharlal Nehru University in New Delhi. She went on to receive her MFA degree in visual art from Washu with solo shows and performances at the Mildred Lane Kemper Art Museum, Bruno David Gallery, Middlesex University, Craft Alliance, India Habitat Center in New Delhi. Her works have been shown in group shows in Athens, New York, London, San Jose's Museum of Quilts and Textiles, Michigan, Miami, St. Louis, Alton, Illinois, and New Delhi. She was artist-in-residence at the Lawmire Sculpture Park in 2022, uh, the Procreate Project in London, the Craft Alliance from 22 to 23, and resident teaching artist at CAM St. Louis uh, over the last year. Currently, me is Creative Lab Fellow at the Contemporary Art Museum. She was recently awarded the St. Louis Visionary Emerging Artist Award in 2022 and Mother Art Prize in London, UK. First of all, thank you for being here. Welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> and um, so, the first question that we always ask people is just, you know, what drives you to make your work? What drives you to create?
1: It's interesting question. I think my life itself has been uh, the triggers for me to create works that I create, mm-hmm. and especially once coming to U.S. as okay. a pregnant student immigrant, unemployed husband, uh, cultural shocks, uh, economic condition, being a student on stipend and mother and medical bills and everything, and the culture of wastage in America. Those were the things that spearheaded my practice, not just in terms of material, a technique that I used, the vision, but also the scale. I got so much waste fabric in America that I just went on creating life-scale installations and immersive installations, the whole, you know, like 10 by 10 feet installations. And it just seemed like there is no dearth of challenges in my life. And each of those challenges, those problems, kind of, how do I say, it forced me to look at the life, my resources, Mm -hmm. and the world itself in a different light than i had been seeing before becoming an immigrant
0: yeah
1: and when you say immigrant when before becoming an immigrant for me immigration and immigrants were others yeah. but once i became the other the alien it has been a life changing experience for me mm-hmm. in so many good and bad ways yeah. but it is also a wholesome experience you know you grow as a person where you start connecting or at least I say I would I started connecting not just with India not just with America but also with the larger immigrants population which is across the globe yeah. and those far distant political happenings became very close to my heart because I know I'm a political entity mm-hmm. which is which is impacted by not just by Indian policies or, you know, US policies, but also by the global immigration policies. So all of a sudden you see how my life, it becomes like a bowl of all kinds of challenges, all kinds of limitations, all kinds of very intense experiences. And all those things drive me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Speaking of where people live, the next question we always ask is, where does your work currently live and where should it live as an object or an experience?
1: I really, uh, as, an, as a community artist, yeah. I, as a performance uh, person, as an installation uh, artist where I love participation of people, mm-hmm. whether they give me the material, whether they come create it with me, or whether they become part of the installation by uh, by you know walking through it or experiencing it so at three different levels at the level of representation creation and participation through you know collaboration mm-hmm. i think my work must live in places where a lot of people can come in freely Yeah. at this point my my work are living right now in my house because i just closed <laughs> one of my uh, two-person shows at craft alliance mm-hmm. and before that i had a solo show at bruno david gallery so i you know those two play those two shows just recently closed down but in past couple of years i had been resident at Lomar sculpture park i have been teaching resident at uh, resident teaching artist at contemporary art museum i have been resident artist with craft alliance yeah. and I, I just joined. I'm kind of in the whole process of joining as the resident teaching artist at the Forsyth School near Skinker and, you uh, know, Skinker Forest Park. Mm-hmm. So I think I love to create with people, for people, and I like their reaction, their engagement. And I think that's the thing that determines that my work should be in the public space.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, what is something that you want for St. Louis as a place, perhaps something we don't have, and you have a unique perspective on our city, so what's what's something you want for St. Louis?
1: Wow, that's a very interesting question. St. Louis is a very rich, culturally, mm-hmm. uh, art institutions are very rich, very interesting, and I think it's a very small space where a lot of people from a different backgrounds, uh, skill level, you know, professions, they are pretty connected, but as an Indian, I know, you know, we are, me and my husband, we are very few people who are from non engineering and medical background, Mm. which is rare from Indian, uh, community, but there are a lot of rich, I mean, rich, rich, you know, from American standard, rich Indian community, people with wealth in St. Louis, but I don't see them engage in art. Mm -hmm. You know, I really hope there would be some way, I don't know exactly how, but if there is any way of connecting or, you know, luring those rich families and peoples to become the patrons, it would be terrific. Not, I'm, you won't realize how much money they have.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I have been to some of the homes beautiful enormous homes no art in it Mm. like literally beyond calendar art there is nothing and i really hope i think they need some sort of initiation it is not that they don't have an eye for it because india is so culturally rich in arts and crafts but they really need to connect with st louis art scene Mm -hmm. so they become patrons of a place they call home i think this is one thing I would like to see as a change. Otherwise I love this place. (laughs) I can't tell you I've been to some places in US but this is one place I really love.
0: Yeah, and you know that it's interesting you say that because a lot of artists will say that they don't know how to reach out to just any wealthy person in St. Louis and they'll Mention the same thing about going to any wealthy person's house where they have IKEA art hanging up on the wall, or they don't have anything. It's just yeah. a couch with nothing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> gray drive, wall, gray couch. They drive in, <laughs> in Teslas. They drive in, like they have three BMWs lined up yeah. in their you know garage, but no art.
0: But they don't want to pay someone a, a few thousand dollars maximum
1: yeah for this is p- very p- interesting yeah. because in india our art and culture scene is so rich like yeah. every region has its own art and craft right. but for some reason i think it is the modernity itself or the whole mm, the whole market of art yeah. that has alienated art from people yeah. that people think it's it's expensive right. you know just expensive they have no idea how what how is the <laughs> price that's right you know they might buy a you know a couch sofa for fifty thousand dollars and an additional five thousand insurance but they won't buy a five hundred dollar artwork because they don't even they are so scared they have been alienated intentionally by the art market
0: yeah
1: and i don't blame them but i really feel there is a need to you know somehow lure those people into spaces where they realize oh no this is you know it's a good thing yeah there is a one way of connecting with art and culture, basically with themselves, because art helps you understand what you like, what you love, and what are the problems. I mean, it's just one way of connecting with oneself.
0: Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, what's something that you wish someone would ask you about your work that maybe you haven't been asked?
1: How do you survive without selling? <laughs> 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 right. Yeah. right,
0: yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I, nobody ever asked me, uh, but I think there are so many ways of surviving in the art world, even if you're not selling. Yeah. And I think I am a good person to talk on that because I do a lot of small projects, uh, which get me some money. Mm-hmm. Like I'm teaching at, you know, part-time teaching somewhere. And I'm just making enough money to survive and get my all supplies, because my primary focus is on just continue focusing my energy and all my time and focus on my art practice. I realize if you, if you practice really well, and if you practice in public spaces where you don't just do everything in your space and don't make anybody show and then you call yourself artist, that's a bad approach. Right. Even during COVID, I kept creating very large scale works out of repurposed fabric that comes pr- literally free to me. Yeah. And then I kept putting it, you know, when I had no space to put, I put it on the flood wall, which is during the mural mile, yeah. you know, the pe- uh, paint St. Louis uh, event day. Mm. And just because I put my work in the space, a work that was about safety of children as children as victims of war and violence the idea was that that got me so many grants mm-hmm. so how to survive as an artist without selling is keep doing your work keep putting it in the public space and then apply for all kinds of grants mm-hmm. and there are hundreds well, I'm not eligible for 90% of them because I'm an immigrant. Mm. But as American artists, those who are green card holders or those who are residents, there are hundreds of grant opportunities. Okay. Apply for those. It just takes the life out of you to write so much about yourself and get rejection letters. But yeah. that is the only way. Yeah. You can still talk, write, and see and show your work and get paid for, you know, get a uh, decent amount, sure. get awards, and it's basically a reward for what you have done, Right. and that's how I survive. I receive a lot of grants. I mean, not a lot, but moderate amount of small and mid uh, amount grants. Mm-hmm.
0: Based on people seeing your public work. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, uh, just what are you building towards?
1: Building towards a beautiful, creative, <laughs> 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 uh, happy, prosperous, artistic life yeah. well yes i'm trying uh, to step into public installation i have never done a public installation permanent public installation i mm-hmm. have done a lot of uh, indoor installation this uh, i am stepping into my first uh, major project oh, as exciting. outdoor public i hope permanent installation because at this point the terms is mostly for five years yeah but you know things can change in 5 years maybe they love it and they keep it for longer or lifetime yeah i mean the art works lifetime or you know i i don't really know but i'm working with uh, you know i was invited by contemporary art museum and was selected by their uh, jury team to do a public installation oh, for the veteran community project okay. on north grand yeah so i am neck deep into this project <laughs> which is actually a highly intimidating <laughs> oh i'm sure And, you know, it's acutely intimidating and highly enriching process to know once you work with, you know, you are an artist then there's an institution and then there's a host institution. And working with these three through materials, scale, engineers and architects and all the, you know, people who would, you know, with permits and kind of thing. It's
0: it's
1: crazy. It's a lot lot of people. But I think I'm so glad I, you know, I got I proposed a project like that, so ambitious, mm-hmm. which I am. Yeah. See, I'm building towards a very beautiful career. And, you know, I'm not shy. I'm not scared of anything <laughs> new. I, I do installation. I do performances. I did an animation project with uh, recently that was shown on the T-Rex building in uh, St. Louis downtown. Uh-huh. So I think, you know, any idea that compels me, I'm like, okay, let's do it, whichever format it needs to be done. And this is a new format that I have picked up in recent time. So I think, I yes, I look forward to more ambitious projects which teach me, which enrich me, uh, which tells me that, you know, I can do even bigger and better.
0: Yeah. Well, we all look forward to seeing those things. So thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast.
1: My pleasure. Absolutely my honor.
0: Five Questions is a program by Critical Mass for the Visual Arts, a nonprofit, self-formed visual arts collaborative dedicated to promoting, enhancing, and initiating contemporary visual art in the St. Louis region. You can pick it up on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us at criticalmassart.org/fivequestions, or on Twitter at criticalmassstl, or on Instagram at criticalmassart. You can find me's latest show at uh, the Craft Alliance is on their website at craftalliance.org. You can find me Jay on Instagram, as well as on her website, which is mej.com This episode was with Mej and me, your host, Joe Colburn, it was edited by Sarah Hammond and produced by Brett Williams.